Well, greetings to our Epiphany Gloucester family. You guys are family to us. And I'm so grateful that I get to come and share the word of God with you. You can keep playing a little bit more. I like, I like the background music. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so we're, we're so grateful and encouraged in the Lord by what God is doing here um, in Gloucester City. Uh, through this church, um, you know, Pastor Joe is like the energizer bunny. Um, and when I need a swift kick in the pants to get going in ministry, I just check out what Pastor Joe Marlin is doing. And I start to feel bad about myself. And <laughs> I say, I need to do better uh, in Jesus. So, <laughs> so I, I'm deeply encouraged to be here with you guys uh, this evening. So I'm here to bring the word. So let's do just that. Uh, I'll be preaching from the title today, Pray With Power. Pray With Power. So at my church, I did a series um, titled Pray On It. And I wanted to help move my church and I want to help move you today from a passive position on prayer to a predatory position on prayer, one where you're attacking the challenges of life through prayer. You're not waiting for difficulty to come, but you're addressing the challenges of life through prayer, and you're saying to the devil, I'm the predator, not the prey. So I wanna help us to think through that today. So I wanna be in James chapter five, verse 13 through 18. And I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. I believe you'll have it up here um, on the screen. So hear these words of our Father. It says, is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Verse 17, Elijah was a human being as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the land. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain and the land produced its fruit. Father, thank you for your word. Father, I pray, Lord, that these words would be life to your people, Father. God, and when we hear these words, we would hear the eternal words of our, of our excellent Father, of our good Father who speaks to us today through his word. And God, I pray, Lord, that these words would not go out void, Father. We know that, that the word is sharper than any two-edged sword severing the, the marrow from the bone. And God, I pray that these words would get deep down into the marrow of our souls, God. Transform us by your word. Change us by the word, God. 
And God, when we hear the word, may we respond by saying, Lord, help us to obey. And Father, it's in your name that I pray these things with thanksgiving, God. I pray that you would stand in my body and think through my mind and speak through my mouth and let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer, in whom I place my trust. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The early church, much like Epiphany Gloucester is, had little machinery, but they had power. A young woman, she worked in an umbrella factory in Philadelphia, and at the, that time, it was considered the largest umbrella factory in the world. That's like something you want to ascribe to, being the largest umbrella factory. That's like a cool thing, I guess. And it was considered the largest umbrella factory in the world. And one day she said to her pastor in a discouraged manner, she said, Pastor, I will have to hunt for another job. So he asked her, what's, what's the matter? What, what's wrong? Have you been fired from the job? And she said, no, they haven't fired me. He says, well, does, does your factory not have enough orders to keep you working and going all the time? And she said, yes, they have more orders than they can fill. But the problem is they don't have enough electricity to keep all the machines going at once. And my machine has to lay idle throughout part of the week and I lose so many hours of pay that it doesn't make sense for me to continue to work there. She said to him that the trouble with the factory is that it has more machinery than it does power. And isn't that like our churches today is that we have more machinery and gimmicks and lights and mechanisms and fancy things than it ever has in its history, but yet it lacks power. So we're going to move from this, this idea of a lack of power, then we must identify where our power comes from. And I'll submit this idea to you today is that if you're going to have power, then you must pray. If you are going to have power, then you must pray. You must tap into the source of where power comes from. And that source is not here on the earth. It's not here in Gloucester City. That source is in heaven. And if we're going to have access to that, then we must pray. So verse 13, join me. It says, if anyone among you is suffering, he should pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. And is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church and they will pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. If we are going to pray with power, then we must identify first what the problems are. If we're going to pray with power, we must be able to realize what we need to pray for. See, oftentimes, I, I tell my church all the time that the tragedy of the church and the tragedy of the world is not unanswered prayers. That would be too simple. The tragedy of the church is unoffered prayers. The reason why we don't have the power that we need, the reason why things don't work out the way that they should or the way that we want them to is simply because we do not pray. Listen, all of us 
have challenges that we are facing in our lives. And I talk with Pastor Joe a lot and and we pray together and we talk about some of the challenges that are specific to each one of our cities. And so I understand that there are many challenges that face our lives. Some of us have confidence problems. We don't believe in God's promises concerning our lives. Others of us have some cognitive problems. Uh, Our thinking is, as they would say, stinking. And most of us, we've got some cash problems. Uh, We either, we don't have enough cash or we don't know how to properly manage the cash that we do have. If we're honest, it's usually the latter. (laughs) So our best response to those problems is, is this, pray. I've got a real simple word for you today. And it is simply that if we're going to access the power of God, which we need in our lives, we must pray. So he says here uh, that if if anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. Uh, One theologian said that the whole book of James, it can be, the whole letter of James can be boiled down to one sentence. We don't believe in the power of prayer. That's the one sentence to sum up this whole letter that James wrote, is we don't believe in the power of prayer. And since we don't believe in the power of prayer, we don't offer prayers. And prayer is the best offer that you can make on what God is trying to build in your life. See, when you go to buy a house, you gotta make an offer. And most of the times there are other people making offers on that same house and you've got to put the best offer forward. And I'm here to tell you that the best offer you can put forward in what God is building in your life is to offer up prayer before the Lord. See, prayer is the perfect response to every predicament. When you find yourself in a jam, when you find yourself in a situation that you just can't seem to handle, guess what? Your best response is to pray. He says, if anyone is, is, is suffering among you, he should pray. If any is sick, if any is joyful, uh, anyone is cheerful, he should sing praise. And if anyone is sick, he should call on the elders of the church and they will pray. See, One of the major health concerns of this generation is the lack of energy. I can't tell you how often I I talk with people and they're, they're just tired and they're just worn down and they don't have the energy that they need. And that's symptomatic of of the culture. But the major, the, the thing about this is, is that most of us, we're, we're in the healthiest culture that has ever been, but yet we're the weakest. Everybody's a vegan. Everybody's eating uh, um, uh, gluten-free and low-carb and all that good stuff. Not me, I like carbs. (laughs) Listen, but everybody's trying to be healthy. Everybody's trying to to, to live their best life and live as as healthy as they possibly can. And even in the midst of that type of culture, we're the weakest that we've ever been. I read a study that said that millennial men, talking about young men, and I I, I pastor a whole lot of millennials, says that millennial men in their 20s and 30s are weaker than they've ever, they're physically weaker than they've ever been at any point in history. But here's where I'm going. 
We are so quick to give up on things because we don't have the energy that is required to persevere and and persevere through those things to attain the things that we want. And part of our problem is that we don't have the type of community around us in order to persevere. See, the closest you can be with somebody uh, that's not your spouse or not, you're not in that kind of relationship with, the closest you can be with a person is to be praying with them. See, prayer joins us together. Prayer unites us with one another. It's difficult to be hating on your brother or your sister when you're praying for them. It's difficult to, to, to be looking down on somebody when you're praying for them. It's very difficult to have a disposition towards somebody that's nasty and harmful when you're praying for them. Well, see, so, so, so most of us, we, 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 don't have, we have access to like three or four social networks on our phones. Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. And, and what happens is we jump on those social networks all the time and we ask people to send us some positive vibes. What we really mean is I just wish that somebody was close enough to me that understood what was going on with me in my life who could really sit down with me and just begin to pray for me. So listen, he says... Anyone among you, he should call on the elders. So when James says, if anyone is sick, they should call on the elders to pray. What he is saying is, is that they have to invite people into their lives. That word call, it means to summon or to invite. You've got to let some people into your life. Most of us are so satisfied with living life on our own and and doing our own thing. But we must invite people into our lives if we're going to see the power in our lives that God is calling for us to operate with. So listen, you've got to be willing to receive the community that is being offered to you so that you can find some freedom from the bondages of doubt and sin that are plaguing your mind. And he says that when they call on the elders, that they are going to anoint you with oil see that anointing it's this word is the mundane common version of the word the other version of the word the special kind of anointing that people like to talk about particularly in my context they like to talk about being anointed and all that kind of stuff that special word is only used of Jesus in the New Testament but this mundane word here for anoint it's a simple word and it says that they are to pray over you and anoint you with oil so people have this misconception about special anointing uh to to have that mentality it what it does is it cheapens the 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 sufficiency of what anointing actually was in the scripture so the main the main responsibilities in the old testament of the shepherd was to protect the sheep That's why David says in Psalm 23, he says that the Lord is my shepherd. So he's the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need or the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he lets me lie down in green pastures and leaves me beside the, the quiet waters. So part of protecting the sheep was this. It was protecting them from sickness and illness. That was the shepherd's job. And I want you guys to stay with me because I want to tell you something really cool. 
Part of their job was protecting the sheep and protecting them from sickness and illness. And the way that they would do that, because flies and other insects would find their way into the sheep's uh, eyes and into its nose, and it would deposit disease into the sheep. And the way that the shepherd would protect the sheep, it would be to anoint the sheep with oil. And see, there is something here about prayer that protects you from danger and from harm. If you're in a difficulty, if you're in a situation, then you need people to be praying for you. It will protect you and keep you from harm. Next, first I said you've got to identify what the problems are. And James is telling us that the, the prayer of faith will save the sick and it'll raise them up. The Lord will raise them up. So there's some things in our life, there's some things that are going on with us that we need to be delivered and restored from. And that only happens through the power of prayer. So first you've got to identify, and the next thing you have to do if you're going to pray with power is that you have to intercede. Verse 16 says, it says, there, therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. James is telling us that we have to pray for those that are in need. We all know somebody in need. There's some people right in this community that are in need that you know that you could be praying for. Instead of talking about them behind their back, why don't we pray for them and ask God to bring healing and restoration into their lives? But it says here that we've, we've got to pray for those in need. In other words, we've got to live in close proximity with one another so that we can pray and, and we find freedom from the challenges uh, within the context, from the challenge of life within the context of community. James says, pray for one another so that you may be healed and the healing that you need is found in the community of Christ. And the freedom that you need is found in the prayers of those that you live in community with. So listen to this. He says, the prayer of faith will save the sick person. See, this word, it, it talks about uh, making a request or a supplication, but uh, it also has the idea of something being in the state of, ex the state of extreme poverty. So the power of prayer is directly connected to the poverty of your need. Here's what I'm saying. We don't pray with power because we don't have enough poverty of need. If you were really in need, if you really embraced the poverty of your need, then you would have no other recourse than to pray. If you really embrace the poverty of your need, if because most of the times what happens is we get in situations and we think, I've got to figure this out. We get in situations and we think, I've got to find a way to get out of this and I've got to get out of this as fast as I can. But God is saying, turn to me in your situation. Turn to me in your difficulty and I will answer your prayers. See, we, we, don't, we don't pray for the healing of our marriages because we don't believe that we really need help. We think if God would just fix my spouse, everything would be okay. 
when God is saying, there's some work that I need to do inside of you if your marriage is going to get better. We don't cry out to God for those that are lost because we don't truly believe in the poverty of their need. See, you begin to pray with power when you truly recognize your poverty. And it says here that the prayer of the righteous is very powerful. See, righteous people, here's who righteous people are. Righteous people are people who are always in need of God. I've never met a righteous person who didn't need God. I never met a righteous person who wasn't constantly seeking after God and seeking after God through prayer. So listen, at our church, two years ago, we, we had a community day and we, we had moon bounces out in Wilmington and we, we were in a, a park that two years ago um, was considered the most dangerous park in the whole city. So we said, all right, we'll be a little crazy and we'll go right there to that park and we'll, we'll go do some stuff and serve some people and try to meet some needs. So we gave out book bags and school supplies and we gave out diapers and free and food and we had medical uh, screenings and supplies for people. We had moon bounces for the kids, all this kind of stuff we did. And so what happened was the one year, the first year we did the event, we had the moon bounces set up and there were three moon bounces and there was one generator. And we were trying to plug in the generator so that all of the moon bounces would stay inflated. But what kept happening was is that two of them would be inflated and the other one would deflate. And then we get the other one inflated, but then the other one would deflate. So we were wondering like, what is going on with this? Why can't we get all of them to stay up? So I called the owner uh, of the power source who, who owned the generator and the equipment that we were using. And I asked him, man, how do we get this thing set up? And he told me, that there was a special kind of connector cable inside of the toolbox that was needed to connect the extension cords correctly into the power source. He told me, he said, you can have all the cables plugged in, but if you don't have the proper connector, then you won't be able to access the power of the generator. And all I'm trying to tell you today, church, is that if you don't utilize the proper connecting tool, you won't have access to the power that you need. You can have all of the success that you want. You can have the job that you want. You can have everything that you want, the business plan, the savvy, the communication skills you can have all those things that you want but if you are not connected to the right power source the power tool then you'll never be able to access the power source that you need see God has given us a tool that we need to access his power in the kingdom uh, uh, to bring the kingdom of God here on earth and it's called prayer you guys say all the time in Gloucester as it is in heaven if you're going to get it in Gloucester as it is in heaven, guess what? You better be on your knees crying out to the God of heaven. The next thing you got to do if you're going to pray with power is that you've got to intervene. See, if we're going to pray with power, then guess what? We've got to act. See, some of us uh, uh, pray with strategy. God says, Pray with prayers addressed to my wisdom, my knowledge, and my understanding, and not yours. 
Some of us, we go to God and say, God, here, I got what you need to do, God. This is what you should do right now to help out my situation. And God is looking at us, and he's just shaking his head and laughing. He's the little emoji with his hand right there on his face. We can't tell God how to do it. God is saying, I'm going to do it. You just respond to what I tell you when I tell you to do it. So listen, verse 17, I love this. Verse 17 says, Elijah was a human being as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the land. See, I want you to see this. Is that the power of prayer begins with the word of God. Join me in in 1 Kings chapter 17. I'll read it. You don't have to turn there. Uh, verses 1 through 6, it says that Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Galilee said to Ahab, as the, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, uh, there will not be dew or rain in the next few years except at my word. See, the power of prayer begins with us trusting in the word of God. If we don't trust in the word of God and if we don't access the word of God and we pray the word of God, then, then we won't ever begin to access the power that's in, that's in prayer if we don't trust the word. Next, the power of prayer continues regardless of what you see. Continuing in the story of Elijah in, in chapter 18 of 1 Kings, he, says, go, he tells his servant, he says, go and look towards the sea. And he told the servant, he told the servant that, and his servant went up and he looked and he said, there is nothing there. And seven times Elijah told his servant to go and look. And the seventh time he came back, he came back and he reported and he said, I see a small cloud as a man's hand is rising up from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab and hitch your chariot and go down before the rain stops you see he understood Elijah understood because God told him that it was going to rain again and as he under he believed in what God said he believed in what God said regardless of what he could see so I'm telling you today that there are some things that you're praying and you're asking God to change in your life. There are things that you're praying and asking God to change in your marriage and in your relationships and on your job. There are some things that you're praying and asking God to do and to renew in your life. And you may not see anything happening right now. You may not see any of the working happening, but I want you to know this is that God is working regardless of what you see. I, was, I read this children's book to my daughter every single night, and last night we were reading, and the, the title of the little devotional was called The Speed of Light. And it's talking about how God spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light. And the writer asked the question, wouldn't you want to be there? Wouldn't you have wanted to be there when God spoke light into existence? When God said, let there be light, wouldn't you want to have be there to, to witness that? And he, that was a rhetorical question he was asking. And he responded by saying, you would not have wanted to be there. 
And the reason you wouldn't have wanted to be there because it would have been so overwhelming and so great and so significant for the, for the place that was covered with darkness to now be filled with light at the word of God, it would have overwhelmed you and it would have blinded you. But the thing that he said to me that really caught my eye in the book, it really caught my eye was that he said, he said, so the word of God, God is acting at the speed of light in your life. And God is acting at the speed of light in your life, whether you know it or not. And he's acting, but God is so big and so powerful that his actions are measured in light years. So when God is working and he's moving, he's saying this to us. He's saying, listen, I am the light of the world. You don't have to worry about what's happening in your world because I'm the light of the world and I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to bring light to the dark places in your life that don't seem like anything is ever going to happen. That's why Corinthians tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. If you are trusting in what you can see, then you are missing the point of what God is calling you to. Next, the power of prayer goes from a small beginning to a grand finale. First Kings 18, it says, meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose and a heavy wind, heavy rain came on an Ahab road to Jezreel. And it says that the power of the Lord came upon Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. See, you're praying and seeking God. Things may not look like they're happening but God is getting ready to do something in your life that you're going to look back at those situations in your life and you're going to wonder, what was I ever even worried about? Has anybody ever had God come through for them? Anybody ever had God come through in their life and you just sit back and you wonder, I don't even know how that happened. I don't even know how that took place. I don't even know what was going on behind the scenes to make that thing come to pass. But God worked in my life on my behalf. So it says that in verse 18, it says, then he prayed again. And the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. See, this producing here, this word, it means to sprout or spring forth or bud or to germinate. And I submit this idea to you today is that prayer is the germinating agent for the fruit that God wants to bring forth in your life. See, when you are praying, God is working on your behalf. When you are praying, God is working underneath the surface. You can't even see what God is doing. There's a bamboo plant that when it's planted, it takes five years before you even see a sprout. But you have to water spot where the where the uh, bamboo plant is planted and it takes five years for it to even sprout but once it sprouts it will grow up to 90 feet within a few weeks 
What hap what's happening with that bamboo plant is this, is that every day they're going out and they're watering the plant. Every day they're going out and they're providing nourishment to the plant. Every day they're going out and they're doing things. And, it, and for five years, it doesn't seem like anything is happening or anything is going to occur. But then after that five years, when it begins to sprout, it just takes a few weeks for the thing to shoot all the way up to about 90 feet. That's what your prayer life is like. You're going and you're going back to God. You're going back to him and you're asking God and you're asking him over and over and over again. And you're saying, God, I need your help. God, please be with me. God, would you please do this? And God, would you please help me? It is in the consistency because the question is, did the, did the plant grow in the couple weeks or did it grow in the five years of it being watered? The answer is that it grew in the five years of it being taken care of and watered. So when you are praying, you've got to pray with perseverance and you've got to pray with consistency to know that God is working underneath the surface regardless of what you see and he is going to take care of you and he cares more about your problems. He cares more about your circumstances than you could ever think and care and he says that he wants to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ask or think so God is not sleep at the wheel but God is working and moving on your behalf regardless of what you can see I'll close with this little idea and I'll take my seat our strength our word strength comes from a word signifying being twisted together so when it says that the Lord is the strength of my life that's what scripture says God is the strength of my heart See, then our, the, the way that we have to understand that word for strength is that our life is twisted together with the Lord and that's when we find our strength. So God and my soul are like two strands that are twisted together with one of them being infinite, that's God, and the other one being finite and weak and, and frail. But the purpose of us is, the purpose for us, I want you to understand is this, is that when you are connected with God and, the, and you're connected with God through prayer, when you are connected with God, you will have strength. And you'll have strength enough to endure through the difficulty and the challenges and the circumstances of your life. Listen, I know it's hard, but God is with you. I know that it's difficult, but God is with you. I know that it's challenging and there are some days that it looks like that n it just won't happen and nothing's going to change, but know that God is with you. Epiphany Church of Gloucester, I want to leave you with that idea to know that God is with you regardless of what your situation or your circumstances might look like. And the way that you continue to have God connected to you is to pray. Father, thank you for your word, God. Lord, we pray that these, your people, God, would be restored and renewed, Father, through the power of prayer. God, they don't have to sit back and let life happen to them, but they could seek a Father, a good God who says that I'll never leave you or forsake you. A Father who says that I will be with you even until the end of the age. God, I pray that you would remind these, your people, that you are with them. 
God, remind them in their darkest hour, God, when they're, when they're struggling with addiction, when they're struggling with, with, with finances, when they're struggling with, with relational dispute, when they're struggling with, with, with hardship and sickness and illness and pain, God, remind them that you are with them. And God, keep that reality ever present in their mind, God. This good truth that comes from the word of God that reminds us that you will never leave us or forsake us. God, help us to pray like never before. Help us to seek you like never before, God. Help us to be in your presence like never before, God. And as we pray in Gloucester, as it is in heaven, God, may we do the business of getting in your presence. God, as we cry out to you today, God, would you remind us of your presence and show yourself to be powerful and mighty in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray with thanksgiving knowing that you'll accomplish everything you said you would do in the matchless name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.